5. And if you have your Bible, you can open up. If you're using the, the seat Bibles, that would be page 754. John 5, verses 16 to 20. Back in the 1980s, there was a popular movie called The Karate Kid. And um, Daniel, the teenager in that movie, really wants to learn karate. Um, he, he feels that, that knowing karate is going to solve all of his problems. It's going to keep him from getting bullied. He's the new kid in town. It's going to earn him the respect of the other kids, and it's going to get him the girl that he likes. But as Daniel quickly discovered, while knowing karate would be amazing, learning karate isn't that easy. (laughs) Daniel found from his sensei, Mr. Miyagi, that learning karate requires two important ingredients. First, it requires commitment and perseverance in the training, even when the training gets difficult. And second, it requires submission to your instructor, even when what your instructor asks you to do is hard or seems like it makes no sense. And I think the same is true when we seek to enter into the amazing mission that our text this morning invites us into. We began looking at this text last Sunday and and we saw the good news that it proclaimed to us that amazing things are happening here. And no, it's not talking about the Mets. Um, In the text, we saw that Jesus was doing amazing things. Turning water into wine. Healing an official's son from a distance just by speaking the word. Drawing many followers who were beginning to put their faith in him. And then most recently, in the beginning of John 5, completely healing a paralytic who had been paralyzed for 38 years. Amazing things were happening there. But because Jesus healed this paralytic on the Jewish Sabbath day, Jesus had begun getting into trouble with his contemporaries and especially with their religious leaders. They accused him of disobeying God, breaking God's commands, working on the day that God had commanded his people to rest on. And in response to their accusations of him, Jesus had said to them in verse 17, God, my father, is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And this got Jesus into even more trouble. (laughs) Now, not only was Jesus breaking the Sabbath day, but now he was making himself equal with God. And Jesus replied to them as they accused him now of this second thing in verse 19 very truly i tell you the son can do nothing by himself he can only do what he sees his father doing amazing jesus is equal to god and yet he claims he can do nothing by himself though he's all powerful though he knows all things jesus has given up the prerogative to independently draw on these powers in order to be fully human like us. And so Jesus says he can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. And yet, Jesus doesn't act like an ordinary human being, does he? (laughs) He does amazing miracles, right? He, He speaks like no one else speaks. How is this possible? Clearly, there's something very extraordinary about Jesus. Jesus goes on to explain Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. 
For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will all be amazed. Like an old-fashioned father-son relationship, the Father gladly teaches the Son the family business. And Jesus says to his contemporaries, the Father is going to show the Son even greater things so that you will be amazed. And so in the life and the ministry of Jesus, as Jesus watches and and joins in on what the Father is doing, amazing things are happening here. And yet, as we saw last Sunday, this was never meant to end with Jesus. Because when Jesus was ending his earthly ministry, he said to his followers in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. Tag, you're it now. (laughs) And also in John 14, 12, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. As the Father loves the Son and sent the Son and showed the Son all he did so that the Son did amazing things, So now the Son brings those who believe in Him into the Father's love to be fellow sons and daughters of the Father. And then the Son sends us so that we can do the works that Jesus had been doing and even greater works than these. And so amazing things are still happening here. That's the message of last week's sermon. But why isn't this our experience? Why don't we see more of these amazing things today? As I was thinking about this and as the sermon group was reflecting on it last Sunday, I I think there are three factors which keep us from experiencing the, the amazing things that the Father is doing. The first is that we don't hear God very well. We don't see very well what it is that God is doing. Our eyes aren't that good at seeing. Our ears aren't that good at hearing what the Father is doing around us. For some of us, maybe that's because we were raised with religion rather than with a relationship with Jesus. Our job, we were taught, was to read, to study, even to memorize all the amazing things that God did in the Bible, but not to participate in them ourselves. We were taught that God is big and great and mighty and he's too important to concern himself with speaking to everyday people like us. And and so leave the amazing things to the clergy. Our job is just to do our religious duty at church and then to live our lives as good moral citizens, honoring God as best we can. But the idea of a daily relationship with Jesus where we we talk to him and, and he talks to us and where, we, uh, whether he, where he involves us in his business and in his mission, that's not what we were ever taught to expect. Or, or maybe we do believe that God is still active in our lives today. Maybe we do have, have a relationship with Jesus. It's just that we're not very good at hearing his voice. We certainly don't hear an audible voice. And, and when we do quiet our minds, plenty of Thoughts come in, and, and some of them are even about God, but, but we're not sure how to tell which thoughts God might be putting there and which thoughts are just our own brain or our own imagination. Right? So, um, for these reasons or others, some of us just don't hear God that well. 
A second factor that keeps us, I think, from, from experiencing the amazing things that are happening here is that our lives are so busy. Our days are so full. Our to-do lists are so long. And by evening, we, we just want to click on the TV and veg or we want to put in our earbuds. <laughs> and so our lives and our heads are, are constantly full of noise. Even if we do have the ability to hear God's voice, the, the speed and, and the stress and the noise of our lives just seems to drown out the voice of God. Then a third factory, uh, factor <laughs> that I think keeps us from experiencing the amazing things that are happening here is that, that we're, we're not too sure we want to hear everything God might want to say to us. <laughs> Or to see everything God might want to show us. Uh, There's an old song which expresses the sentiment. The chorus goes, please don't send me to Africa. (laughs) The sentiment is, if I listen to God, he'll probably ask me to do something that's really hard. As Barbara shared with us this morning, God God might change my plans. He might might mess up my life. And and I'm not sure I want that to happen. And, And so... I'm not going to listen too closely unless I sense that God has something really positive and encouraging to say. Then I'm all ears. And if you have kids, you know this phenomenon. To get them to hear the words, clean your room or do your homework, you have to just about yell at them sometimes. (laughs) But all you have to do is whisper the words ice cream. (laughs) And and it's amazing how good their hearing gets, right? (laughs) We tend to hear what we want to hear. And this phenomenon happens with us and God, too, with us hearing God's voice. And so a major reason that we don't experience more of the amazing things that are happening here may be that that we don't think we want um, to say with Jesus, I can only do what I see the Father doing. We don't want to submit to God that much because that would mean we wouldn't be in control. And I think this third factor, um, that we're not sure we really want to submit ourselves to God's will, has a lot to do with the first two. I think it explains why we're not so good at hearing God's voice. And I think it explains why our lives are so full and busy. One reason we're not too good at hearing God's voice is, is that we've been afraid to try. We've been afraid to practice. We've been afraid to learn because if we got too good at listening, we might hear God saying some things we didn't want to hear. And one reason I think that our lives are so busy, too busy to hear God's voice, may be that, that we haven't in our hearts prioritized God's will. Our, our days are busy with other things because we value those other things more than we value an attentive relationship with God. We value a lucrative job, gives us a certain standard of living. We value our kids being in a lot of activities so that we can feel good about being adequate parents. We value staying up on our favorite shows or or following our favorite teams more. We value these things more than we value hearing from God and walking in the amazing things that God is doing. So for those reasons, though amazing things may be happening they're likely to pass us right by. Well, does our text this morning have anything to say about this? Does it address these three factors? Well, I think the key 
of what our text has to say comes back to who Jesus is that we see in this text. Remember we saw last week that Jesus is fully God and Jesus is equal to God on the one hand. And yet Jesus on the other hand is also fully human. He's weak, he's limited like we are. He can do nothing on his own, he says. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Being a real, a true, fully human being, Jesus is like us in, in almost every way. And yet there's one way that Jesus is not like us. And that is that Jesus has an amazing relationship with his father. Jesus knows the father like nobody else. From eternity, Jesus has had an intimate relationship with God, his Father. And so Jesus hears the Father much more clearly than we do. And even more importantly, Jesus submits to the Father much more readily than we do. Because Jesus knows much more confidently than we do that the Father's ways are good and that we can trust him. That's what sets Jesus apart from us. That's, that's the reason that, that we struggle to live anywhere close to the amazing life of power and love and influence that Jesus lived. Not so much because Jesus had access to power that we don't have or knowledge that we don't have, because we do have access. We have the Holy Spirit. But, but rather, it's because Jesus has an amazing relationship with his Father that we don't have. And yet, guess what? That amazing relationship that Jesus has with the Father is the very thing Jesus came to give us. A big part of the reason that Jesus came was to enable us to share in the amazing relationship that he enjoys with the Father. Listen to John 17, 21. Jesus is praying to the Father near the end of his life and he's reflecting on all that he's accomplished, which the Father sent him to do. And and Jesus prays then for those who believe in him, us. And he says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you hear the heart of God here for us? As the Father talks to this, or as the Son talks to the Father, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, just as you and I, Father and Son, from eternity have enjoyed a close, intimate, loving relationship, so may they also be in us. May they also enjoy this kind of relationship. A close, intimate, trusting relationship with the Father. That's what Jesus has. And that's the key to participating in the amazing things that are happening here. That's what we see in Jesus, right? Jesus knows that the Father loves him. Verse 20, Jesus says, The Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing. Jesus knows that the Father delights in him. Remember Jesus' baptism? Heaven is open and a voice declares to Jesus and everyone else who's listening, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And Jesus knows that the Father's heart and the Father's ways are good. 
And so Jesus trusts the Father. And because he trusts his Father, Jesus is willing to submit to his Father. As he says in verse 19, I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see my Father doing. Jesus is willing to seek out and to listen for what the Father wants to say. And to do what the Father gives him to do. And so because Jesus wants to, because Jesus longs to, Jesus can hear the Father's voice clearly. Because Jesus loves the Father, Jesus is never too busy to spend time with the Father. And because Jesus delights in the Father's will, Jesus is never afraid to let his day get rearranged as he sees and participates in what the Father is doing. Does the Father's agenda mess up Jesus' plans for the day? You bet. Aren't you glad? <laughs> read, the, read the gospel stories. Wow. Jesus' days turn out far better when the Father messes them up. <laughs> and, and so the Son's trust in the Father just grows as he experiences this, as he chooses to, to follow his Father's leading, to obey his Father's direction, and goodness keeps resulting. Of course, ultimately, following the Father leads Jesus to the cross. That's where love leads, you know, and God is love. And Jesus says, if you aren't willing to go there, then then you're not ready to be his disciple. But Jesus promises that if you lose your life in a life of love, you will find your life. Because after every Good Friday, there's an Easter Sunday. Jesus promises that if you die to yourself, you will experience newness of life, powerful life, resurrection life. You will find life. And so even when Jesus sees that to imitate his Father, to follow in the ways of his Father's heart, will lead to death on the cross, Jesus willingly embraces and and lives out his Father's heart. Aren't you glad he did? As Jesus puts it in verse 21, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Because Jesus was willing to surrender his life in love, he's able to give life and to raise the dead. Why? Because because the Father is good. The Father's plans are always for good. Even when our way, as we follow the Father, leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, the truth is that that's only because there's no other way to get to the life that's on the other side. And so Jesus says, trust me, the Father is good. His ways are good. Follow him, trust him, submit to him like I do. It's worth it. And when you do, you'll discover that amazing things are happening here. As Daniel discovered in karate, when it it came to learning karate, amazing things don't just magically appear. It takes training. It takes perseverance. It takes commitment. It also takes submission to your instructor, even when what he tells you to do seems hard or makes no sense. So Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, The son can do nothing by himself. 
He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Let me close with a story. A group of botanists went on an expedition into a hard-to-reach location in the Alps, um, searching for new varieties of flowers. And one day, as a scientist looked through his binoculars, he saw a beautiful, rare species growing at the bottom of a deep ravine. And to reach it, someone would have to be lowered into the gorge. Noticing a local youngster standing nearby, the, the man asked him if he would help them get the flower. The boy was told that a rope would be tied around his waist and the men would then lower him to the floor of the canyon. Excited yet apprehensive about the adventure, the, the youngster peered thoughtfully into the chasm. And then he said, wait, I'll be back. And off he dashed. When he returned, he was accompanied by an older man. And, and approaching the head botanist, the boy said, I'll go over the cliff now and get that flower for you. But this man must hold on to the rope. He's my dad. Hmm. When you trust the Father like that, when you trust the Father like Jesus trusted the Father, you're ready to hear his voice and to join in the amazing things that are happening here. What do you need to trust the Father for? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are God. That from all eternity you have known the Father intimately. You have enjoyed all power and glory and knowledge with the Father. And yet thank you that you also came down to live a fully human life in weakness and limitation where you had given up the prerogative to draw on your power except in as much as you were following in what you saw the Father doing. Thank you that you invite us into that amazing relationship that you want to teach us to know the Father like you know him, that you want us to know that he's good, that he can be trusted. I pray that we would all grow in that and that we could take steps of faith to follow after the Father like you did, to join in the amazing things that you're doing. Amen.